guys, I'm in Joshua chapter 20, starting in uh, verse 1, and we're just going to read through verse 6, and here's what the word of the Lord says. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, Tell the Israelites, select your cities of refuge, as I instructed you through Moses, so that a person who kills someone unintentionally or accidentally may flee there. These will be your refuge from the avenger of blood. When someone flees to one of these cities, stands at the entrance of the city gate, states his case before the elders of that city, they are to bring him into that city and to give him a place to live among them. And if the avenger of blood pursues him, they must not hand the one who committed manslaughter over to him, for he killed his neighbor accidentally uh, and did not hate beforehand. He is to stay in that city until he stands trial before the assembly and until the death of the high priest serving at that time. Then, one, uh, then the one who committed manslaughter may return home to his own city from which he fled. I know it seems like a weird passage. I'm going to explain it. Okay. Now, if you go on, uh, the end of the chapter, verse 7, 8, 9, it, it, it lists the cities that are going to be cities of refuge. And then when you get into chapter 21... God lists all the cities where his priests are going to live, where the, the Levites are the priests of God. And, uh, and so he's going to disperse them all throughout, all throughout the promised land as well. And so I, I kind of big picture, all right? So, so God brings them into the promised land, and then he's like, hey, part of the promise is that you have to provide refuge, okay? That's part of my plan. You're, you're going to get into the promise, and then you need to become people that are known for providing refuge, Okay, and, and, then, and then he says, and, and hey, priests, I want you to spread out. You're going to live in all these cities. So with that big picture in mind, that part of the promise is providing refuge, and then the, the, the priests of God are meant to be scattered amongst the people. With that big picture in mind, I, I want to share three things with you about who I believe God is now calling us to become now that we're here. Okay, and here's the first, guys. Here's the first. I want you to understand that we have to be a safe place for broken people to run to and find compassion. Alright? That's got to be who we become. We, we have to become a safe place for, people, uh, for broken people to run to and find compassion. And you say, Pastor, what exactly does that mean? What does it mean to be a, a, a safe place for broken people to run to and find compassion? Well, luckily, we don't have to define it because the text kind of does. Right? And so if you just walk through the text with me, I'll put it up on the screen, starting in, in, in verse 3. Right? Being a safe place for broken people to run to and find compassion literally means, it starts with this, that we're a place that people can flee to. Joshua 20, verse 3, so that a person who accidentally, unintentionally uh, kills somebody, they can flee there, they can, they can run to, that you're a safe place for that. Right? And, and God, listen, if, if we're going to be the people that God calls us to be in this building, we better commit ourselves to becoming a safe place for broken, messy people. All right? I don't know if you remember Jesus' last object lesson, but it happened in the upper room with his disciples, and he taught them that ministry was going to be dirty. Right? He got down on his hands and his knees, he took off his outer garment, and he washed the dirtiest part of the disciples, and then he said, and now you go and do the same. He's saying, listen, ministry is going to be messy. Right? And if we are going to be the people that God wants us to be, then we need to be people that, that offer refuge to messy people, right? If you think that church is supposed to be, be uh, pristine and perfect, and we're supposed to be about singing the songs that you want, and looking the way that you want, and, and like if that's what you're looking for, uh, you can have a group of people, but you can't really have a church. Because a church is focused on the messed up people. 
A church is a group of people that gather to worship God and to offer their bodies as living sacrifices to Him and to get messy with Him as they love broken people, right? So first and foremost, we have to become a safe place for people to, to flee. But, but more than that, we also have to be a place where people can be heard. Right? Look at, look at verse 4, Joshua 20, verse 4. Uh, this person, they come and they state his case before the elders of that city. And guys, I love you. I love you so much. Um, I had an amazing opportunity with a dearly loved person in my church to speak truth into their life lately. And it was hard, y'all, because I respect them so much. I'm their pastor, but I respect them so much that I was like, should I speak this hard word? And I was like, i got to speak this hard word. And so I did, and I was like, hey, can I just tell you something in love, right? And in love, kind of the conversation I had is I like that person that you're talking about that you care about deeply. Right now, they don't need to hear your sermon. They just need your arms around them. They need you to cry with them. They need you to tell them it's going to be okay. They came to you because they already know what you believe. They came to you hurting because they already know who you believe in. They know that something's different about you. The, the, the sermon, it's going to come, but, but we got to start with just that compassion. Right? I'm so sorry that you're broken. Tell me what is going on. It's a place where people can be heard. And all too often, Christians, I say this in love, man, we are so quick to try to tell people what they need to change before we ever just offer them love that they walk away going... They didn't really care about me at all. Becoming people of refuge means that we're a place that people can run to. When they run here, we have to be willing to sit with them, to listen to them, to hear them, right? More than that, though, it also has, we have to be a place that we offer appropriate protection. Um, maybe this seems weird to you. Our churches had to do this, where we have to offer protection for children or, or for, uh, for, for a wife whose husband might not be acting appropriately. Um, but, but just when you think about a safe place where people could be protected, what's one thing you could think of if somebody's telling you their life story? What's one way you could protect that well? I don't know, maybe not sharing it with somebody else. That, gossip's not a sin any of you struggle with, right? It's, it's almost unintentional sometimes. We're so labored and burdened by somebody that we just we want somebody else to get on board. We don't want to be the only one holding it. And so I, I think sometimes unintentionally it just slips out of our mouth like, oh my gosh, you need to be praying for so-and-so. But if we're going to be safe places, we've got to be people that are committed to protecting others, right? But it goes on in, 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 uh, in uh, verse uh, 5, right? By the way, uh, that's appropriate protection. They must not hand them over. Verse 6, it goes on. It says, we've also got to be a place that accepts baggage. Look at Joshua 20, verse 6. It says, uh, that person, he's to stay in that city until he stands trial, which is a long way off, by the way. So this, this troubled person shows up, and what are they doing? They are now staying with you. That's what they're doing. They're going to be part of your life. They're going to be part of our life. Uh, and, and so it just means that we have to be so comfortable with baggage and with messiness. And, and y'all, that's what church needs to be for you. And, and so we, we began preaching this months ago that, that our idea of church has to change, that we can't show up anymore thinking, like, what is in it for me? But we wake up in the morning on our face before God going, God, how can I serve you? How can I be Jesus to someone else? And that is, that is now our life, y'all. That is now our mission, that we are here for broken people, Right? And broken people come with lots of baggage. Amen? Anybody in here just not have any baggage? Because I'd like to talk to you. If you, if you already checked all yours, because I'm still working on it, right? They're charging me extra at the gate. Uh, we've got to be a place that accepts people with their baggage. And, 
And finally, guys, I would say I think this is one of the biggest for me is uh, we have to be a place where cycles are broken. We have to be a place where cycles are broken. Look at verse 9. It says, These are cities appointed for all Israelites and aliens residing among them, so that anyone who kills a person unintentionally may flee and not die at the hand of the avenger of blood. So what it's talking about is a cycle of violence. God established a place of refuge in order to break a cycle of violence. So imagine Old Testament, right? You eye for an eye, uh, and so you unintentionally kill somebody. And then the avenger of blood from the, from the other family's bloodline is going to come after you, and guess what they're going to do? They're going to kill you. And you know what your family's going to do? They're going to say, you shouldn't have killed him. He didn't do it on purpose. Then they're going to come and send somebody, and they're going to kill you. And then your family's going to get mad. And then they're going to come after, and they're going to kill you. And it becomes this cycle. And y'all, the Bible has a word for that kind of thing. It is called a stronghold. And we are people whose stories are full of strongholds, are we not? Strongholds of addiction. Strongholds of fear. Strongholds of, I mean, I mean, you name it. Your past, my past, right? We are here to break cycles. Wait, what about generational sin? Is that, is that anybody else's family? Does anybody else have a side of their family that you cannot track? Like when people ask me, hey, every time they hear last name Huddleston, they're like, are you related to so-and-so? Every time, y'all, every time. And I'm like, possibly and they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, my dad had three wives. His dad had three wives. His dad had, like, you know, what? like, it's just, it's the history of our family line. Maybe that's you too. But I want you to know that Jesus offers the power to break those kind of cycles. And we have to be committed to being people that see that happen. And it's going to take us being people of refuge. We've got to be. So that's where we start, y'all. We start with this, this big truth that we have to be a safe place for broken people to run to and find compassion. second thing I, I want to highlight actually comes out of chapter 21, and then I'm going to talk to you about how chapter 20 and chapter 21 tie together. So here we go. Second thing, I want you to know that we have to live with the people that need to know God, but we have to live differently from them so that they can see Him. And I want to add a word here. This was late night editing. Um, we're going to add a word here, clearly. Okay? This is all about clarity. We have to live with the people that need to know God, but we have to live differently from them so that they can see Him clearly. Okay? So chapter 21, God assigns the Levites, that's His priest, uh, a place in every city to dwell. So He spreads them out into like 40 plus cities. It's like, hey, this is where you're going to go dwell. You're going to dwell here. You're going to dwell here. He gave them pasture lands, and, and all these cities. It's in Joshua 21, uh, 41 through 42. It says, within the Israelite possession, there were 48 cities, all with their pasture lands for the Levites. So the Levites are the priests of God, and the priests of God are dispersed amongst the people. Uh, fast forward with me to the New Testament. Who are the priests of God in the New Testament? Well, that's us. Alright? That's us. First Peter 2.9 says that we are a chosen people. We're a royal priesthood. Right? And so when we say, hey, we're meant to be scattered amongst people. Well, why did God intend for His priest uh, in Joshua to be dispersed amongst the people? Because the people needed to see God. Right? Listen, because I've got a good friend of mine. Um, uh, his name's Trent Henderson. He's actually at, at the church that uh, I got saved at, Heritage Park Baptist Church. And, uh, and, and this is what he said. Uh, I, I'm just going to quote him. He says, light is not just meant to shine brightly. 
It's meant to shine broadly, right? That light is not just meant to shine brightly. It's meant to shine bright. Why did God disperse all of, all of His priests? Why did He send them amongst the people? Because light's not just supposed to just, just brightly. It's supposed to be everywhere. We are called, we now, the royal priesthood, are called to be light into the darkness, right? That's, that's the call. Jesus said in Matthew 5.16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Alright? Before Jesus ascends into heaven, after saying, you know, He was the light of the world, He then looks at His disciples and says, you are the light of the world. So what I'm saying is, is God's intent for His children is to live amongst non-believers in such a way that they can see God at work in the believers. So that the believers are a light to the darkness. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. One, all right, how light are you? How light are you? How much light do you shine in your neighborhood, in your schools? I'm looking at my, my, my teens and college students in your workplace, right? How much light? So we've got to think about those things. And it's not just about what we say, y'all. It's about what we, what we do. Let them see your good work. So, that, so it has to be behavior-oriented too. So guys, we, we begin with this truth that we uh, have to be a safe place for broken people to run to, find compassion. We also have to be dispersed amongst those people but living differently enough that they can see uh, God clearly in us. And then lastly, guys, this last thing I'll share with you, I'll let you go, is that if we do these things well, God will use us to bring about transformation. If we do these two things well, it's these two things. And this is how chapter 20 and 21 tie together, right? So in chapter 20, it's the cities of refuge and there's just a handful. Chapter 21 is all the cities where the Levites are going to live, okay? But in the places where the priest of God, the people of God lived, and they were a refuge for others, all of those cities became Levite cities. Every single city of refuge became a city of God. Every one. Every single one. It wasn't just a city of refuge. It literally got taken over by the people of God. It became what they were known for. And so I just I think about this with me like, like New Testament application. How many streets are represented uh, here this morning in this, in, in this little building. Like, listen, it's summer. How many streets, though, different streets are represented? How many neighborhoods are represented? How, how many cities? We, we've got people not just in Elgin. We've got people that drive from Bastrop and Maynard and, and Lexington. Like, how many cities are represented? And can you imagine if we do these two things right, like they did, so they were places of refuge, and they were priests of God, they lived rightly, and those cities became God's cities. Can you imagine what happened if every street represented this morning became God's street? What happened if every neighborhood represented this morning became God's neighborhood? What happens if every city represented this morning becomes God's city? Because y'all, I'm here to tell you, if you will commit yourself to being a place of refuge, and you will commit yourself to being part of the royal priesthood, to living a different life so that people could see God at work in you, then God will bring about that transformation. He has historically. Okay? So what do we do with that? Whoo! 
give you a few things. They're not easy. Your homework this week is hard. We give you application every week. God bless you. You're welcome. Uh, Good luck. All right, here we go. Application number one this week. I want to challenge you to start welcoming the hurting without compromising your faith. Welcome the hurting without compromising your faith. There is a group in our world today that believes to love somebody. Uh, That's all you can do. You, you, you can't speak truth, you, you can just love. And then there's a group that thinks, well, to speak truth, you just got to speak truth, and then, and then the love thing, you know, well, yeah, I'm just doing it. I'm, and and, and we, we don't believe that there's a balance anymore, and there is, there's a tension, it's hard to do. But we have to welcome people in their brokenness while still calling it what it is, brokenness. Right? And we can do that because we have clarity, because we are people that know God, and God met us in our brokenness, but He loved us too much to leave us there. And, and it's not that we're perfect yet, right? We're still cracked, we're just held together by Jesus, and so we get to say, yeah, like I'm useful now, because in my brokenness, Jesus put me back together. And I'm not perfect, I'm not perfect, but I'm useful for the kingdom, and you can be too, Right? And so we we have to be these people that are welcoming to others, especially people that are broken. But we we, we do that without compromising our our faith, okay? And and there is a way for that to work. It's, it's, you know, speaking the truth in love. It's, It's both. It's the balance of both, okay? Second, we have to live in such a way that people see Jesus clearly. We've got to live in such a way that people see Jesus clearly. Guys, I love you. We've come such a long way since uh, the last presidential election. I love you so much. I tried to tell you then, uh, be careful. Uh, Facebook's not your friend. Um, but we didn't listen, and, and we took a hit. The church in America took a hit. They saw Christians as these political people. Um, they didn't see Jesus in us. And, and y'all, the church took a huge hit like in, all over the U.S. All over the U.S. And, 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 and so we say, like, we have to be aware of our presence everywhere that we go. Because people are absolutely watching us. They're watching the choices that we make, right? So, so hey, we're Baptists. We may be the only Baptist church that tells you it's okay to go out and have a drink. Uh, we're not really, but, but you can, right? But if you're the person that goes out and have, has a drink, you better make sure that, that when you do, that, that you don't cross that line ever. That you don't even approach it, right? So that, so that it could never be said of you, hey, look at that person. They lack self-control, right? And so we have to find these places, we, we have to be willing to live in that place and say, hey, hey, listen, Jesus has changed my behavior, the choices that I make, the way that I think. Uh, it, it, it's a big deal. And so we have to live in such a way that they could see Jesus clearly. Uh, it's not just saying, it's actually living it. And lastly, guys, we, we need to do this. We need to pray regularly that God would make us a refuge. Um, and I do think it takes prayer. I, I don't think we're naturally a refuge people. I mean, some of you are super sweet. And God bless you. You're, you're better than the rest of us. But we still like our us time, right? Like, I mean, come on, be honest. How many, how many times sometimes like broken people just annoy you? Anybody else? Come on. Like, like anybody, like you know the person that needs a little too much of your time, right? Valerie, you're the only person that's going to be honest this morning. Anybody else? Like some people, you're like, gosh, they are so needy. Anybody? Right? It happens. It's real. It's real. So we've got to figure this out. We've got to figure out a way. And I, for me, the only way that makes me the person that I need to be is through prayer. God, make me a refuge. God, make me a safe place. God, make me stop thinking about me and what I want and, and, and make me open to the needs of others. God, make me. And so I wanted to do this this morning. Uh, this is my hope and my prayer. What if um, all the people here this morning made a commitment to just pray this prayer all week long? That'd be pretty cool be pretty cool. So I'm going to do something that I think is helpful 
uh, in, in remembering things. Because I want you to remember the prayer. So, uh, so let's do this. I want you to stand up where you are. Uh, my, my daughter taught me this because um, she's in Bible drill. Uh, so it's awesome. So we're going to stand up where we are. Hey, can we bring down the lights just a little bit? Um, and this is not so it'll be emotive and you'll cry or anything. That's not the goal. Uh, it's, it's so that you'll just focus on you. I don't want you to focus on the person to your left. I don't want you to focus on the person to the right. I'm going to ask you if you've been taking notes on your phones, uh, if you've got your Bibles out, any of those things, I'm going to ask you to put those away for a moment um, because you're going to need open hands. And, uh, and so here's what we're going to do where you are. Uh, you're going you're gonna to bow your head and, and we're going to pray. I want you to open those hands before the Lord. We're going to kind of give him uh, kind of ourself. And, and then we're going to pray. We're going to pray this very, very simple prayer. And because I want you to remember it, uh, I'm just going to sing it over you, okay? So, so my, my hope is that you walk through the doors later uh, this morning. And, uh, and by the way, you have to join me after the first time I sing it. Um, but that you, you leave this place. If you know it, you can join me right away. Uh, but you leave this place just with this prayer. It's not a song, y'all. It's a prayer. And it's going to be on our hearts all week. It's going to be in our hearts as we leave, as we sit around, as we talk, as we get in the car. When we go to bed tonight, I believe that this prayer is going to be in our hearts. When we wake up tomorrow, we're going to find ourselves just humming this tomb, going, oh God, that's what it's about, right? And so it goes something like this, ready? Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Pure and holy, tried and true, and with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. It's on the screens if you need it. Let's sing it again. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Pure and holy, tried and true, and with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. One more time, like the Trinity, let's go. Lord, prepare me a little louder. To be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, and with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for let it be so. God, let us be the people that we just ask you to make us. Make us that kind of church. Make us those kind of people. That we, we, we set ourselves aside right now unto your service. And we say, God, make us a sanctuary for others. That people might see Jesus in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.